Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on episode 90, the 680s BC, part 3. Hi guys, we're just going to jump right in from Dan and I's discussion on the 680s BC. Enjoy. In 687, the office of Archon in Athens was established as an annual office. Before oh. that, it was a 10-year, you had that office for 10 years. In, in 687, they made it a one-year. That's a huge change. Yes. In, the, in 687, Athens was not a democracy yet because we don't have the reforms of Solon. Yeah. So it was, it was still an oligarchy. So, the, you know, the, all the other oligarchs picked the archon, which would be sort of like the president, you know, kind of like the main leader. Yeah. For, and it used to be, before that, it was 10 years, and then they made it a year. They probably got a couple bad, they probably got a bad one before, you know, thinking of, I'm thinking of certain people that are president of the united states right now maybe they would say oh maybe we should just have one term <laughs> <laughs> or annual presidents yeah exactly like oh boy that 10 years of that was enough so yeah i mean that's um you know you, that's not without going into all the how the greek government was set up in the 680s which like i said was an oligarchy but in 687 like i said they they changed it to a, a one-year term the so um, what did the archon do he was like um, the chief magistrate. The um, Greeks was uh, Athens was still an oligarchy then, but he would have been like your chief person. Yeah, I see here that he was in charge of organizing festivals. 
and bringing together poets, playwrights, actors and city of painted guy. Those were the wealthy citizen patrons that probably had to pay for all of this. So the archer would begin this process months in advance of a festival by selecting a chorus of three playwrights based on description of the projected place. That was like an audition. And then each playwright would be assigned a choregos who would have to pay for the costumes, masks, and the training of the chorus. And the archant also assigned each playwright a principal actor, as well as a second and third actor. And the principal actor is, of course, the protagonist. So, uh, Greek, lots of culture. Even back then, the Greeks were the, probably the more cultured, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think, the, as I said before, the, there is something super special about the Greeks and you could see it in that uh, earliest Greek writing they were the first people that wrote about comedy and I think the first artifact found was a, a dance contest prize whereas every other country who has invited writing has written either I have 20 cows yeah. or I am really great, and I did this. I know. It really is amazing when you think about it, how the Greeks were the only ones that really have, have that kind of thing. I think they spent a lot of time thinking about how to, how to live and how to... And these valleys are separating the small city-states, and they get to experiment a lot. So Greek Greece seems to me like a, an experimental area where you sort of come up with a lot of things because you you try a lot of new things. Right. And then you go and then if the, and then even from there you could make a colony and try something else there. Yeah, if you're not from Sparta where you will not try new things. Right. And and that kind of brings us into why the Spartans became that way because the Spartans were actually kind of like the other Greeks, they had some poets, they did some colonies. Um but then um after the second Mycenaean war that's when Sparta becomes the Sparta that we know about that was super militaristic and just, you know, you don't hear much poetry and those classical Greek type things where you have more just that dedication to the military. And um, Yeah, we have the Second Mycenaean War beginning in 685, but it will be going on for 17 years. Mm-hmm. And then, Do you know uh, why it started? There was a revolt. So because of the first Mycenaean War, which I, I know you've also done a podcast on. Or, yep. Um, so after the first Mycenaean War, they the Spartans made all the Mycenaeans helots, which is like a, pretty much like a slave, right? Yeah. Terrible situation to be in. So the, the next generation pretty much of you know the defeated Mycenaeans gave it another shot to try to rebel and not be under the thumb of the Spartans. And they got some allies – in the beginning, they had uh, Argos. Argos is always there if you want to fight Sparta. Uh, Corinth. Some. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Corinth was helped Sparta, but Argos was um, on the side of the Messenians. Um, so a lot of this about this conflict isn't known. I mean, they even give you different dates if you read if you hear different different sources, but. Um, yeah. Um, there's, it's a pretty cool story, though, too. You could probably write a story about this. Where, so the first battle, um, their uh, Aristomenes is their general. And then after he, he defeated them in a battle, they made him the king, the Messenians, as much of a king they could have, being that they were 
you know, they were slaves, basically, of the Spartans. Um, and at one time, uh, after, what he did was he sneaked into Sparta and placed a shield in the temple of Athena, which was um, because of the things that happened, something that happened in the Trojan War. So they did it sort of to taunt him, to taunt the Spartans, saying, ha-ha, look what we can do. Wow. So, but it didn't, and, you know, in the end, so the, this, like you said, this, this war went on for almost 20 years. Um, and what happened was then the Spartans bribed the Messinians' allies to abandon them. So then the Messinians were left on their own, and they it went to a guerrilla war in the mountains. There was some pretty serious mountains in Messenia. So the Spartans had to fight the Messinians, you know, in this guerrilla-type warfare for, you know, almost 20 years. Yeah, much like the first Messinian War. Mm-hmm, pretty much. I wonder what guerrilla warfare was like in the, you know, without, I mean, you always think of guerrillas today, you know, they're kind of with guns and sneaking up on but I mean, I guess was you had to get close. Yeah. Booby traps and that kind of thing. Yeah, and ambushes with bow and arrow, perhaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you sneak up on, and, and so, I mean, this, this went on, like I say, for like uh, 20 years. Eventually... Uh, the Spartans won. You know, they 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 took over they, they, the last um, strongholds of the Messinians, and um, but they say Aristomenes and some of the a lot of the women and children they escaped. Some went to Rhodes and some went to Italy, but then the rest of them, the rest of the Messinians were you know turned into helots and they were never they didn't get free again for a few hundred years. And we will have a third Messinian war as well because good wars come in threes. Oh, well, that's good. When is that one? Or is that a spoiler? I can't tell you right now. Okay. So we will discover it when Perfect. it comes. But the thing is, the thing is, is that at this point now, this, I mean, the Spartans were sitting on, basically sitting on a powder keg because they had these, all these slaves, you know, helots. They were pretty much slaves that were constantly going to try to get free from them. And that became their way of life. And after, you know, a few generations of that, they just that's when they became this militaristic society where yes as we all know about this how the spartans were so militaristic i mean basically you're a citizen and a soldier and all the workers were these helots yes if you are a spartan citizen you have no other job than being a soldier or perhaps uh, deciding stuff but yeah. no no manual labor or anything like that Mm-mm. and how about though how like you know how they would uh, declare war on the helots every year? Yes. That's, I mean, that's pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Sparta for three episodes. We, we covered the First Messenian War in episode 54, but I did the Spartan culture uh, way earlier. So that was around episode 35. So for surely we don't need to get into all that, I would say. Actually, Women in Sparta is the most popular YouTube video on family history. Check that out. Really? If you want to know more about Spartan sexuality and why, if you are in the ancient world as a woman, you would want to be a woman in Sparta. Hmm. Because that was the best place if you were not a man. Unless, and if you were a man, that might not be the best place to be, unless you were into that, you know. Unless you're really good at fighting. Right. Which, that, which they were, so. Well, that's what they pretty much did from, from um, start to finish. 
As a man, I would probably rather be in Assyria or somewhere else. Yeah, probably. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some sports. Okay, right. So, um, 688 boxing became an Olympic sport in the 23rd Olympiad. Oh, yes. And this interests me because I'm actually a, a sort of a boxer. I started boxing about seven, eight months ago. Oh, Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting, difficult sport. But the way they did it is not how we did it today. Um, okay. So first, uh, they didn't really wear gloves. They, okay, that they, would hurt. Yeah, that would hurt, right? They wrapped their hands. So you will see them sort of, if it's, you know, you could see pottery or, or any kind of paintings and stuff. You'll see them that they have something on their hands. But their hands are just wrapped. So even today, boxers, we wrap our hands. But that's to protect our hands, not to help person that we're punching that's what the boxing gloves are for the boxing gloves you know they're padded but they didn't wear yeah. gloves they just wrap their hands because you have a lot of small bones in your hand so if you punch something you know you could um break your hand your fingers and stuff so you wrap them and your wrists and things like that to keep them from um you know hurting yourself so we don't want to think that you know they these guys were pretty much bare knuckle fighting um there was um pretty much no rules um, except for a few because it was boxing. So there was no holds and no wrestling, no like poking out people's eyes, things like that. So any type of blow with the hand is allowed, but no no gouging with the figures, fingers. Sorry. Um, yeah. There's no ring either. So you have to think about it like there's just a whole open area where these guys could just go at it. But that would encourage a more defensive fight because I could tell you well, sometimes we'll, I'll spar in a place where we don't actually have a ring and you find yourself like constantly moving back and around. There's a lot more, you know, you could keep moving. So that would be a more defensive fight. So you got tired, you could kind of like, you know, get away. When you have a ring, you get cornered and you're, you're in trouble. Hmm. And, and that kind of goes with the fact that there's no rounds or time limits. So it wasn't like, you know, 10 three-minute rounds with a 30-second break, anything like that. It was just start. And finish. I wish we had some uh, um, some uh, somebody had written down what actually happened in these matches. Oh, I I, I think that um, it'd be pretty brutal, probably. But I guess you got to figure these guys. I've been thinking about this, like even for myself, boxing. Some of the hardest part is like really hitting somebody because you you know it's like you 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 know the person. You're sort of working out together, and then next thing you know, you're trying to take his head off. Um, but these guys were soldiers, really. So. That, they're kind of used to that, I would think. You know, but they were just happy the other guy didn't have a spear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, but so there was no like today. You know, you'll have a you could have a three a three round fight or a ten round fight, and then there's a judge that would say, you know, who's the winner. But this was just whenever you're knocked out, incapacitated, and no weight classes. So you didn't have like heavyweight, lightweight, featherweight, bantamweight. It was you know that was it. It was. Whoever, you know, you fought whoever. And if, you know, you were the fighter from Athens and the, the fighter from Rhodes was, you know, bigger, then that was how it went. And they they didn't um, set them up, like, um, in advance of, uh, you know, by weight class, obviously, or anything like that. They just, you know, it was by chance. It was just, yeah, because you know, they probably just wanted one single victor. So it was single elimination all the way. Right, exactly. And all the rounds, all the matches were just done by chance, you know. So it's, you know, Bernie fights Joe and that, here, here we go. 
So you could have the two best boxers fighting in the first fight and then one of them got the the, vic- the winner of that fight is hurt and loses the next fight. That's correct. And and these fights could go on for a long time. I did I did see uh, I found somewhere where you know much later a fight went on for a few hours. Basically. Wow. You know, or they really go at it for a few hours. But, I mean, that's also because they could get out of the way, I guess. But, honestly, I, I don't know how they could do it. If you watch boxing and you think, you know, why is that guy not punching? He can get it. I mean, you try it. You go two or three minutes in the round, in the ring with another human being trying to punch him. Yeah. You get tired. And just punching is, it's tiring. I mean, I'm, I did uh, four years of kickboxing. Okay. And yeah, I know how tired you get after just three-minute fight. It's right. So you know. Like, I, I actually uh, I have to do the martial arts brag then if, as we got into that. So I have a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Oh, how about but that? But then I changed to kickboxing because uh, that was more fun. Yeah. But I had this uh, trainer who was uh, judoka. And I didn't tell him about my black belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh-huh. So, uh, so he ended every time he got frustrated while kickboxing. He just threw people. But he couldn't throw me. So I was like, haha, you don't know that I... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it ended, it, at one time he just punched me in the face because he was a much better kickboxer than I was. So maybe I was not too clever. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you could have got him with the jiu-jitsu then. Uh, that would have been very uh, bad because then he would just have used more kickboxing on me. So. Uh, right, until you get better at the kickboxing. Well, imagine after a few years you got pretty good at it, right? Yeah, I actually quit because I had to focus on my uh, university studies. Ah. Uh, so, uh, but there were actually judges on at these fights at the yep. 23rd Olympiad. What yep. was their job? Well, they if they enforce the rules by beating the offenders with a whip. <laughs> So interesting, and also, um, if the fight lasted too long, they could say, "All right, let's um, uh, let's just uh, they're just let them exchange blows, and then they would kind of close up the ring. You know, maybe they would put up the planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen." premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
bars up or hold a stick and then the fighters would be right next to each other and then just punch at each other until one of them got knocked out. Interesting. I mean, it's pretty rough. So are you going to try out this type of boxing? No, I would definitely not like this type of boxing at all. Sounds terrible. How about you? Uh, no, I uh, no, I wouldn't. This sounds terrible. The kind uh, of... Who, the, oh, sorry. Who won the 23rd Olympiad? Do we know? Onamastis of Smyrna was the first victor in Olympic boxing, actually. Wow. Yep, and he was not only the first Olympic boxing champion, but he's also the one who wrote the rules of ancient Greek boxing as well. Hmm. It's like, uh, okay, I have invented this new thing. Let's do it under Olympiad. And randomly, I won. <laughs> Interesting. Amazing, right? He must have been quite a boxer, though. Yeah, he must have been. I, I just imagined he sucked at running and throwing the discus. And he was like, I want to be an Olympic victor, too. And then he used his influence to introduce this new sport at which he excelled. That was probably what it was, and maybe he didn't. I don't. I don't think the boxers box naked. I know they they do the other sports naked, but I don't. I don't think they box naked. So maybe he didn't like being naked. Uh, he made the rules so he could decide yeah, on the dress. That was that was part of the deal, I think. So yeah, the uh, the other, um, um, sorry, the other sports they actually did naked though. Yeah. Like but then um, we have uh, oh, the, the next Olympiad. In 684. Right, so then 684 is the next Olympiad. The 24th Olympiad. And initially, they were um, a one-day event, but in 684, they extended it to a three-day event. Oh, I'm glad they did. Imagine this. You had to travel to the Olympic Games through this uh, Olympic piece. And if you were at the other end of Greek, Greece, then uh, this would take a lot of time. Then you got there and you would you would want to do all this diplomacy and uh, the trading and uh, everything else you did at Olympia. But you only had this one day to do it. <laughs> so maybe it was already a, a several day event, but the, the Olympia itself was just one day. So it seems very natural to extend it to three days. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And not try to squeeze all those things into one day as well. Yeah. Give each event the time it deserves. Do you um do you know when the last Olympic Games were were held? I think they were uh forbidden by one of my favorite Roman emperors, the guy who actually caused the conflict that uh, started the Western Goths uh, sacking of Rome storyline. Because uh, Theodosius the Great was uh, an emperor that was that made Christianity mandatory. That mm-hmm. hadn't happened before. Uh, so this must be close to the end of his reign uh, when he decided that the Olympic Games were uh, they were like a tribute to the old gods and they must be banned. So I would say 393 A.D. You are dead correct. Haha. <laughs> Perfect. You are the fan of history. Ask me another question. Okay. When and where were the first modern Olympic Games held? I know this even better, actually, because the first Olympic Games, the first modern Olympic Games, is such an amazing story. I've actually considered making a podcast about 
these early modern Olympics because they are so chaotic and they are like nothing of uh, what happens today. And one of the first ones was the 1912 games in Stockholm. But in 1896, they revived the Olympic Games in Athens. And it's just such a mess. They were going to swim in the harbor, but it was like super dangerous. So they had to stop the the swimming event. Uh, the, The king of Greece was like super involved. The whole royal family... Uh, was like, this is going to be a Greek event. The Olympic Games will be in Greece again. And the Olympic Committee, which had been working for years to put these games into action, they were like, uh, wait a minute, we've already decided to have the next, <laughs> uh, the 1900 Games in Paris during the World Fair. And the Greek king was like, oh, shut up, we're doing it in Greece. Wow, that is an amazing story. I'm definitely going to look into that. Every event. There is a guy who is like, oh, there's something going on. What's this about? Well, it's the Olympic Games. Well, maybe I should uh, try it out. And he wins one of the events. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And all the professional athletes are like, oh, wow, this sucks. We are not going there. (laughs) Except like the German gymnastic team that is like, ha, ha, we will go to the Olympics. So they obviously win the gymnastics. And no steroids then either, I'm sure. Or maybe all of the steroids. No, or I don't think they knew no. about steroids in Mm-mm. 1896. Or in 680. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So we know, we know a bit more of these ancient Olympics at this point. We know that they are held at uh, between August the 6th and September 19th, probably at some significant religious time. They honored Zeus. And, of course, they are still at Olympia, the sacred site located near the western coast of the Peloponnese Peninsula in southern Greece. And these games are, by now, by the 24th Olympiad, so important for the Greeks that they count time in Olympiads. So the, the common measurement because between all these small city-states is the Olympiad. Because every city is counting time by the rulers, like you tend to do in ancient times. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, this is the fifth year of our Archon uh, Bob. <laughs> and we have the, <laughs> the tenth year of King Bupidup. And that's very confusing. So you just talk about the Olympiads. Yeah, and if we knew that, and of course we knew that the dates were between the 6th of August and September 17th, so that helps it as well because it was a religious festival. So yeah, that's how a lot of that stuff is dated in ancient Greece, right? Yeah, um, there was a lot of other um, events that I think they were pretty popular. Like chariot racing was extremely popular. Oh um, yeah, this happens in six eighty, right? Yeah, that's the first time that they introduced chariot racing, which was you know that would go on for hundreds hundreds of years into the Roman era, right? And it was pretty pretty. That was a pretty violent um, uh, sport as well. I mean, you you have a team of you know, the horses and the charioteer. And um, the they would do it. It's called the hippodrome. It was yeah. 600 yards wide. Sorry, 600 yards long and 300 yards wide. And at That's the turns, yeah. So it's yeah, six football American football fields long and then three football fields wide. So that is pretty huge. And oh. um, the turns, this is kind of like today in NASCAR. People like to see the crashes, but there was a lot of crashes. I would think uh, in here because I mean, they would come around the turn. I mean, the chariot would just whip around, you know, 
And, you know, if you slow down, you could lose, you know, you don't go as fast. But if you went too fast, you know, you could flip the chariot. Yeah. And um, they, they didn't really have lanes, I also found out. So, you know, like if you were kind of lapped by another one, they, they could be coming the same way and you could have a head-on collision. Yeah. And um, um, the race was 12 laps. So it was 12, 12 laps of that. And, That's a um, lot of opportunity to uh, to crash. No, oh, I mean these games were pretty rough. Um, and it says if they, they we, I also found that if you crashed and you were close enough to the finish line, you could still walk across. You could be the winner. So you could literally crash your horses and chariot and then run across the line. Oh, that, then you're easy to run over with the chariot. I would imagine like everybody would have had to been crashed for you to, to at that point to have a chance of winning, right? So in the end, it's just a, a run. This is probably the beginning of chariot racing then. Yeah. But it became super influential in Rome. If you think about what the Roma, Romans enjoyed watching, if you think about the gladiatorial games, but mm-hmm. they were nothing compared to the chariot racing. And Circus Maximus in itself... Uh, the the hippodrome in Rome, it was bigger than any modern stadium. I think the biggest stadium today is the one built um, for the 1950 World Soccer Cup, and it took only half as many people as Circus Maximus did. In, really? In in Rome, yeah. Uh, when Rome burns down. One of the reasons uh, during the reign of Nero, one of the reasons is that everybody is at the Circus Maximus looking at the chariot races. So they can't protect the city because uh, they're like, and, and the fire starts pretty close to Circus Maximus as well. But it's uh, the, the way they had to put soldiers in charge of protecting the city when the chariot races were going on because the city was abandoned pretty much. I mean, you didn't have so TV. So there, there would be looting <laughs> during the chariot races because nobody was anywhere else. How, how many did it fit? What, what, what was the... What was of course, the we, we don't really know that, but it yeah. would be in the region of 300,000. Oh, my gosh. And in the, in the popular races, then you would just don't care if you got a seat or not. You would just push yourself into the <laughs> Circus Maximus. So, uh, yeah, that, that's... That's something we'll talk about when we eventually get to that Rome. That's amazing. Oh, back to the Olympics. Yeah, so um, so nudity is is the kind of the story too. I mean, they apparently they uh, did the games in the nude. I, I don't think they did the chariot races in the nude, but the other um, races in there. There's a there's a story that there was um, in 720 BC there was a runner who's the, he was the first to run naked in the stadium race because he lost his shorts during the race. And then the other runners <laughs> thought, well, that must be why he, he won. So then they decided to – everybody started to, to run naked. And wow. the, the other tradition is that the Spartans are the ones who introduced nudity as a tradition because I guess Spartans like to run around naked back at home. Yeah. So um, so apparently they, they, they did their um, uh, sports in the nude. Um, but women weren't really allowed to come to the, the Olympics, so I guess maybe that wasn't an issue. I think uh, some sources say that uh, single women could come. 
Yeah. Some say single women and some say none. So maybe that's a good place for a bachelorette party, right? Yes. We also have uh, uh, this story I might have told somewhere earlier. I think I discussed this in in the 720s episode. But uh, Spartan women were pretty fit. They spent a lot of time exercising. And at some point, some Spartan women uh, accompanied the Spartan party to the Olympics. And they were, they were about to compete in the Olympics, uh, nude. Wow. And some magistrate approached the Spartan party and told the, the Spartan leader that this is highly irregular. Can you please remove all the naked girls from the field? <laughs> and uh, the Spartan leader was like, uh, don't you think I tried? <laughs> who, who is going to tell them to not be here? They will. <laughs> they have a high capacity for violence. <laughs> who is going to tell them? Are you going to tell them? <laughs> so there were, there were stories about uh, Spartan women participating in the Olympics at some point. There is a long period of Spartan domination during the Olympics, but mostly by men then. Because Spartans spent a lot of time exercising. Yeah, I would think that would be give them a leg up, being how they had their you know their training from birth basically. Um, we have some winners to mention from the Olympics. Yes, we do. I could go over those. So this, the the twenty third Olympiad, Olympiad six eighty eight BC, we have Icarius of um, Hypersia. He won the stadium race. That was that was the biggest. Actually, the biggest to, to win the stadium was, I think, the best victory victory to have. Right? Yeah, the basic race. Mm-hmm. And then right on of Smyrna, he won the uh, he won the box. He was the first boxing champion. I don't know his yep. weight class because it doesn't matter. Um, then six eighty four, Cleotolemus of Laconia, he won the stadium. Yeah, that's the Spartan. Okay, yeah, that's right. Okay, then the Spartan won the stadium also in 680. Thalpus. Good work, Thalpus. Good old Thalpus. He was the fastest that year. Yeah, and Pagan of Thebes wins the Tethrypon. That's the triathlon. Or, uh, yeah, that's like a, a triple sports and then we also get the decathlon from the olympics but i don't think they had a decathlon in in our time period here they were just starting to introduce all these new sports you know way back here trying to fill the olympics with content yeah right maybe that's why it was only one day in the beginning too they only had pretty much the stadium race and the chariot race well the chariot races were were started too so yeah back when we said why they make it one couple days they only had a couple events yeah so even though know, they back to the colonization, that's probably a time like at the Olympics. I guess they, you know, they would say where a lot of people would, if you wanted to start a colony, you'd say, "Hey, we're starting a colony somewhere. That's a good place to recruit colonists if you didn't get enough from your own city, right?" Probably everything, all the diplomas, all the. It was a great time to talk to any other Greeks because they were protected by the Olympic peace. Right. 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 I mean, it is like we said before about the Greeks just being different than everybody. I mean, you don't really see anything like that in the other civilizations where they, you know, do something like that. No, they they celebrate sports and culture in a way that few other people do. Mm-hmm. And it changes so quickly in Greece. Yeah. 
Well, but if were, the Assyrians had Olympics, they would have been the same for a thousand years. Right, right. And they would have probably involved some really nasty stuff. Well, friends, I'm sorry to say this is the end of the episode. So we will continue with episode four, which will be the last installment of the 680s BC. Join us then. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.